Donald Trump is not only in deep trouble in the various criminal and civil cases he's involved in, but he's just in trouble in general. More and more people are paying attention to what we're saying right here on the Midas Touch Network. And it seems when I'm turning on all the news networks right now, I don't know, Brett and Jordan, they're kind of starting to look like the Midas Touch podcast or the Midas Touch show a little bit, highlighting Donald Trump's hateful, weird, unhinged rhetoric over and over again. And this is important, too. President Biden recognizes when he needs to kick up the momentum, and he is starting that heading into 2024. I want to highlight some of President Biden's recent speech, and I want to highlight some really positive economic news as well. Meanwhile, going back to the court cases for a moment, Donald Trump is telling the United States Supreme Court Surprise, surprise, that he does not want the Supreme Court to hear the issue of absolute presidential immunity yet, right? A perfectly normal thing we would all expect someone who believes that his rights can be vindicated by a court where he's appointed three of the justices and the other three are very right wing, forming a six to three majority in the Supreme Court. But Donald Trump filed a brief to the United States Supreme Court saying, Haste makes waste. And just take your time, Supreme Court. And then on the other hand, Donald Trump is telling the Washington or rather the uh, Second Circuit Court of Appeals in New York that he wants the United States Supreme Court uh, to potentially weigh in on the E. Jean Carroll case on the issue of absolute presidential immunity. So he's telling one circuit court and one uh, argument in another case with the Supreme Court, take your time, de delay this. And then he's saying in the E. Jean Carroll case, this is such an important issue. Jack Smith makes some really good points about absolute <laughs> presidential immunity. We will go and talk about that utter contradiction right there. Also, Donald Trump is now responding to the Colorado disqualification order by the Supreme Court in Colorado. Donald Trump has spent the day posting photographs of the four justices who ruled against him. That Colorado disqualification decision by the Colorado Supreme Court was a four to three decision. Donald Trump does what he and MAGA do all the time, dox people, engage in stochastic terrorism. There has been death threats galore taking place directed mm -hmm. at these Colorado Supreme Court justices as Donald Trump and other MAGA Republican leadership attacks the justices. That's just their MO at this point. Attack the justices, attack the wives and the husbands and the spouses, attack the kids. They don't argue the law or the facts because MAGA is a full-fledged fascist movement. And also, I like this move by special counsel Jack Smith trying to call Donald Trump and Judge Cannon's bluff in the Southern District of Florida case. You know, Judge Cannon has set that May 20th, 2024 trial date, which I we all know is a BS date and that she hasn't even set the concomitant kind of classified uh, procedure act, um, the SEPA related dates, if that was actually going to be the trial date. So Jack Smith did something, I guess, if you're a legal dork like me, you find it very funny. Jack Smith's like, all right, Motion for jury questionnaires. Let's start doing the normal stuff we got to do to get ready for trial. If you really want this, Judge Eileen Cannon, and like clockwork, Donald Trump, because he's only got one move, right? Delay, delay, delay. 
files an opposition to the motion to have the jury questionnaire process <laughs> begin, which is exactly the result that Jack Smith wanted, and I'll explain why on this show. Ultimately, Jack Smith, I think, wants that Washington, D.C. case to go first, and he wants to be able to basically say, look, that Southern District of Florida date is not a real date. And then finally, Rudy Giuliani declares bankruptcy chapter 11 after getting hit last week with a 148 million dollar verdict against him in the Ruby Freeman and Shay Moss defamation case by the way that's one of the reasons that Donald Trump is running to the second circuit court of appeals and asking that they stay all of their proceedings so that Donald Trump can, what, contemplate uh, a certiorari petition with the United States Supreme Court. Uh, he can contemplate oral argument before the Supreme Court because Donald Trump sees what happened to Giuliani. E. Jean Carroll has Dr. Humphreys, the same exact expert that was used to prove reputational damages in Freeman and Moss. And I think Donald Trump knows if that case goes in January, Trump's going to get hit with a verdict that resembles Rudy, and the same result may follow. Although, unlike Rudy, Donald Trump still has a few hundred million dollars in a bank account, but in order to stop the enforcement of the judgment, like Ruby Freeman and Shea Moss would otherwise be able to start collecting on Rudy. That's one of the reasons why Rudy filed for bankruptcy. You have to post what's called a supersedious bond, which is equal to the judgment amount. So if ultimately the judgment against Donald Trump is a hundred plus million dollars, Trump's going to have to post a bond that's basically equal to that amount with the court. Trump is terrified seeing Giuliani declare bankruptcy. And by the way, Giuliani's uh, debt as it relates to Freeman and Moss, it's non-dischargeable. It's an intentional tort. It's done with malice. It involves fraudulent conduct. It involves um, malicious con uh, conduct. And so because of that, ultimately, Ruby Freeman and Shane Moss will be able to separate those claims in what's called an adversary proceeding, confirm in the bankruptcy the district court award in the Washington, D.C., federal court and you know Ruby Freeman for the Giuliani for the rest of his life and then his estate Giuliani's estate's going to owe this money to Freeman and Shamal. So in other words, not really that busy of of, <laughs> of uh, a pretty pretty quiet here but look real you know there's there's strong news going into 2024. There's good news going into 24. It's not let's have hopium and be overly confident but just think about though what people were saying a month ago. Not us here on the Midas Touch Network because we try our best to be rooted in the principles that we talk about on all of these shows and have a consistency and honesty and objectivity rooted in data. But just think about everybody, what? It was a month ago, Brett and Jordy. The world mm -hmm. is on fire. The world is on fire. It's over for Biden. It's over for Biden. We're like, okay, I know you're saying that, but but why? Like, that's just not what the data is showing. So if you want to give me arbitrary feelings, connect your feelings to data, and then I'll mm -hmm. take it, and then I'll take it a little more seriously. Brett's not Brett didn't get the suit memo today. Brett, yeah, yeah. you're dressing up today, Brett. What the heck? 
Yeah, I'm a, I'm a little bummed out here. I'm not even going to lie about it. I, I'm here. We come from an event. We're here in Washington, D.C. Uh, I figure we were, you know, done with our event. We we're going to get into our comfy clothes for the pod. You know how we always do the pod, kind of more casual. And I jump on the video chat over here for the live pod. And we got Ben and we got Jordy still suit head to toe making me look bad here but uh thanks guys i i, the, I appreciate the thing the thing is you changed like you, the, you changed really, really quickly. quickly we just got back it's not quite hard to take off a shirt and put on a, a comfier shirt you know speak for I'm yourself I'm, pr I'm, pr I'm pretty comfy ben you look pretty good big bro i'm comfy and it's i don't know how brett gets changed for me uh, it's a little bit of a process i gotta get in the mindset mindset of, yeah. He's suiting. I got to get it. You know how they say, you know, everyone puts their pant leg on one at a time. I guess Brett just jumps into his clothes. I guess that's yeah, how I just, get yeah, exactly. I just, I just actually, I, just, I leap into it. I have it, into it. I, I have it laid out kind of strung side by side and I just hop into it and then I backflip out of it and I go, Whoa. I'm ready. Whoa. I know that's right. The thing is, you know, the, the, the going back to the seriousness of, of what we were discussing before, yeah. like that, it's the problem with the media's kind of narrative of constantly chasing the polls rather than chasing the data. It's a real flaw in the way that the media is reporting on what's going on. And they go fall into these traps literally every single election. And I'm not even quite sure I want to call it a trap because I think it is absolutely by design. They want to continue to create this horse race narrative because to them, it's much more exciting than presenting the actual data that is right in front of us. I mean, you can look back to past elections. If you look back to the election where you had Barack Obama running against Mitt Romney at December, same exact time in the election cycle, guess who was leading in the polls by a whole lot, Mitt Romney. Guess who the doom and gloom the media was talking about incessantly. They were talking about, it's all over for Barack Obama. It's all over for Barack Obama in this race. And so we need to take a step back and just actually look at what's happening. And when you look at all of these positive developments that we are seeing day in and day out, when you see things like consumer confidence surging to record levels, when you see inflation falling, when you see record stock markets, when you see Donald Trump going out there every single day and becoming more unhinged and more deranged somehow. We didn't think he could get worse. Well, guess what? He gets worse every single day, literally quoting Hitler on the campaign trail. As people see this, People take notice of the actual stakes mm -hmm. of the election. And I'm, I'm happy that finally, when I turn on the TV, finally, I hear these legacy media networks speaking about this. Finally, finally, finally. And I want to say, Donald Trump using this phrase that he continues to tout at every single rally now, he's made it a part of his stump speech at his rallies saying that immigrants are, quote, poisoning the blood of our country, Disgusting. directly ripping rhetoric directly from Adolf Hitler. I just want to say we called this out on our Midas Touch reporting months ago. Our mm -hmm. writer, J.D. Wolf, who's one of the best researchers in the game, he identified that Donald Trump was using that phrase in an interview. And we did a the piece first, on it. Just to be clear. He was the first reporter in the world to do yes. that. Yes. The very, the very first. Nobody had paid any attention to Donald Trump using this phrase. And our researcher said, that's a peculiar phrase that Donald Trump used 
during this interview. Looked into it, and sure enough, the phrase was ripped straight from Hitler. And then it became a story then. There was kind of a little wave of a news cycle about it. And some of those reports did appropriately give credit to the Midas Touch reporting, which I thought was nice. Then they kind of forgot about it, right? Oh, Mm -hmm. he quoted Hitler a few weeks ago. Oh, what are we going to do? He keeps doing it now. And now he's doubling down and tripling down to the point that finally you actually have the vice president of the United States and you have President Biden himself calling out Donald Trump for using this rhetoric. And I like this new gloves off President Biden, this new election ready President Biden who goes, okay. It's almost 2024. We're in this, right? I'm not going to mess around. I'm going to call it exactly how it is. I'm going to call out Donald Trump by name. I'm going to say exactly what he's doing, and I'm not going to mince any words. And President Biden, Brett, to your point, he's never been the issue here, right? Like he's willing to call out Trump every step of the way. And same with the VP. Here's the issue. It's with legacy media. Yes, we could pat them on the back now for saying, hey, thank you for finally reporting uh, on, on the blood poisoning statements that Donald Trump continues to make. But here's the thing. Don't then the next week go back to polls this and polls that arbitrary poll poll. Like you got to stay focused on what this deranged human that is Donald Trump is saying and actually continue to report on it. Like I I feel like at times I forget what movie it is, but the the legacy media just gets so distracted. And there was this movie with a dog once. Right. And the dog would see a squirrel and he goes squirrel. And he just totally like like lose his mind about what the issue at hand was happening. And I equate that as silly as that sounds to what legacy media is doing in this situation. The movie is called the movie is called Up. It's a fantastic movie. I recommend everybody see Up classic movie it's also my reference you can't just go and, and start stealing my references George. stole I mean, it this is, stole it you're not just, in a just, suit I could i'm not it. in a suit all of a sudden the guy in the suit's allowed to take it and by the way even if you want to discuss the polls here's an issue too more polls than not show president biden leading so it's like why are you picking apart the negative polls and you're trying to bring those to the forefront and trying to create this narrative. And even the New York Times poll that recently came out that showed that President Biden was ahead of Donald Trump by two points among likely voters. What headline do you think they ran? Do you think they ran with the headline, President Biden is beating Donald Trump at the polls? No, they ran with a pro-Donald Trump headline for their own poll that showed Biden beating Trump. It is really, it defies any reason and Mm -hmm. any logic other than they just want to see the horse race they don't give a damn about our democracy and and they want to see donald trump they the media loves the guy you know and and loves promoting him and and never holds him accountable over and over again i mean to your point brett it's like if you look at the 2024 New Hampshire polling, for example. Donald Trump is in massive trouble in New Hampshire. Here's just one that just came out today, which has Donald Trump at 33%, Nikki Haley at 29%, Chris Christie at 13%, DeSantis, <laughs> DeSantis at 6%. What a loser. Oh my God. And, and, and Asa Hutchinson somehow has 1%. Um, but if you look <laughs> who's, at this, who's, the, who's the Asa Hutchinson voter? I got to meet her. <laughs> <laughs> I got I to know who he is. Uh, who, uh, uh, the, and by the but way, the DeSantis look- thing is something that we've always said. Sorry to interrupt you, Ben, but like the more and more people get to actually know DeSantis and see him speak if you want to call what he does speaking uh yeah they don't like him 
He's a weird guy. Remember like that narrative, though, Jordy? Remember in the beginning, it was mm-hmm. DeSantis is Trump, but oh, worse. No, right. And he yeah. is going to crush. And He's smarter and than like, Trump. Mm-hmm. And we're like, have you heard the guy speak? Like, the guy can't even speak. I'm going to say something that may, it may be a little controversial with our audience at this point. But, Good. You, you know, know I, say some controversial stuff. Go I want to say some controversial Don't stuff. Do piss people off. Jordy doesn't Do go up. <laughs> Hashtag cancel bread. Everyone get ready. <laughs> Do it. Every, everybody get ready. Put get Every, ready with your finger on the cancel button. Here we go. Bra- brace brace yourselves. Uh, no, but I, I honestly I think that we're at this point in the campaign right now where I do think that Chris Christie should drop out. And I say this as somebody who's admired Chris Christie's entrance into the primary, but I think that he accomplished exactly what he has needed to accomplish here. He has appropriately spoken to Republican voters and he has told them exactly who Donald Trump is. Now we know that there's really going to be no chance of Chris Christie actually being the nominee. So why do I say that? Because I think the more that there are these other people in the race who are taking, you know, 11%, 12% of the vote in that range, you have Christie here at 13% in this New Hampshire poll. Imagine for a second, Chris Christie comes out. That's a clear never Trump vote, right? The Chris Christie people aren't on the fence. If you're voting for Christie, that is an anti-Trump vote. So where does that vote go? I would argue that that vote probably goes to somebody like Nikki Haley, who would then have a much better shot at defeating Trump, not only in New Hampshire, but in states across the country. Now, am I a fan of Nikki Haley? No. Am I a fan of Nikki Haley's policies? No. Do I want Nikki Haley to win? Absolutely not. But do I want to see Donald Trump lose? Yes, I do. I think Donald Trump is a threat to our democracy. And so I think acknowledging that Donald Trump is the ultimate threat to our democracy, I think at a certain point, you should say, you know what? I did my part here. Now let me back out. Let me let this never Trump vote consolidate in my party around another candidate who might actually be be able to defeat this individual. Look, Donald Trump is incapable ever of admitting defeat. It's the biggest loser quality that he has. So purely for the implosion that will take place if he loses in New Hampshire, what will he say when he loses New Hampshire? It was a vote of fraud. It was rigged. He's going to do the same thing. And he's going to fall right into a major pitfall, which is, in that, you know, in that Republican race, I think that what you can start to see if Nikki Haley can kind of get momentum, if if Trump wins in Iowa, which I'm beginning more and more to think, you know, that he probably does in Iowa because DeSantis is so bad. Like if DeSantis actual like DeSantis is horrible. Like if DeSantis was half a decent half a decent candidate, given all of the endorsements that he has and given that Iowa is a caucus state and it requires a lot of organization, um, you know, I think that DeSantis actually could have won Iowa and then he could have tried to springboard to New Hampshire. But if DeSantis can kind of keep it not a, a complete blowout in Iowa. And and Nikki Haley also makes a strong showing that gives her momentum in New Hampshire. And, you know, when when people look back at New Hampshire and, and everyone's like, oh, you know, you know, another prediction by Midas touch that was accurate. And it's like, well, I, I, I'd love to be like, well, we really looked you know, here to figure this all out. It's the data is still kind of staring us in the face like 
the poll that we're talking about from American Research Group, and it's not unique to that. There are so many there in New Hampshire. Also, Nikki Haley has the endorsement from Governor Sununu, who knows that state well. Also, when you just look at the data in New Hampshire that they let like independents vote in that primary and people who are not registered and you know the type of state New Hampshire is, you know the historical trends with with the way New Hampshire breaks and usually does run slightly counter to Iowa. Like if you just analyze it from some of the most basic facts, you go, I think Trump's going to lose New Hampshire. I Mm -hmm. think he's going to lose New Hampshire. And and I, I do. I think Trump is going to lose New Hampshire. And that's what's in the data right now. Now, it's the same way as I've told you on the court cases where, you know, when, where I'm like, look, the way I try to predict what's happening in the court cases is the same way a meteorologist tries to tell you when it's going to rain. I could look at the clouds. I could look at, you know, which type of clouds are forming. And I could say that weather pattern often results in thunder and lightning and it's going to be a storm. Does that mean the storm always hits? I mean, sometimes it tracks a different way, but I could tell you the way, you know, a storm is tracking or a legal momentum is tracking by just following the data and going back to our thesis at Midas Touch at this network is let's actually look at the data and we could look at weakness. We could look at strengths. We could, but like, let's be rooted in the data. And by the way, that poll was the American Research Group poll in New Hampshire that was just out there. And look, Donald Trump doesn't endear himself to anyone other than that ever shrinking MAGA base when he goes out and does this mind comp stuff. Mm-hmm. You know, and, and he and the way he even pronounces mind come tells you that he really knows it. Like he's not good at pronouncing any other words, but he's got a perfect pronunciation too when it comes to when it comes to mind come. Ben, our editor in chief, Ron Filipkowski, made the perfect uh, tweet today. He's made, I'm, I'm paraphrasing him, but he said, You ever realize that Donald Trump, when asked to name a single passage from the Bible, is never able to name a single passage from the Bible, always makes up some sort of excuse? Oh, there's a technical issue. He says something like, Oh, it's all of them, or something like that. Yet he is able to quote verbatim from Mein Kampf. Like, I just, like, it's, it's really a, a fantastic observation. Mm-hmm. And so like, let's take a look at what Donald Trump said in Iowa recently, where he keeps on going into this immigrants are poisoning the blood. And, and he's very specific. This is not some ambiguous language that his, um, you know, MAGA Republicans in Congress can, can even, you know, try to make disappear. Like he's very specific. He's naming who he believes is poisoning the blood. He's referencing mind Kampf, and he says it over and over again. Same thing when he's doing the dictator for a day thing, you know, and that's become one of their, you know, one of their main talking points. And the same way it was kind of lock her up was kind of, you know, that shocking thing. Now it's dictator for a day mm-hmm. and this poison, the bloodline that he talks about over and over again. Let me just remind you, let me show you this. I want to, I want to do, I, I do the, President Biden, don't compare me to the almighty, compare me to the alternative right now. So first, and and this is what 2024 is going to be all about. Also with President Biden armed with data on the economy. Let's start here. Let me show you. This is Donald Trump from Iowa. Let's play this clip. It's crazy what's going on. They're ruining our country. 
And it's true. They're destroying the blood of our country. That's what they're doing. They're destroying our country. They don't like it when I said that. And I never read Mein Kampf. They said, oh, Hitler said that in a much different way. No, they're coming from all over the world, people all over the world. We have no idea. They could be healthy. They could be very unhealthy. They could bring in disease that's going to catch on in our country. But they do bring in crime. But they have them coming from all over the world. Okay, so that's him in Iowa. And then if you have any doubt what he's saying, this is Stephen Miller. This is his speechwriter. This is the person who is his closest aide who will be in a Trump administration given a major position, mm -hmm. whether that's a secretary of state, whether it's a chief of staff, whether it is you know, running a major department. Stephen Miller, there's no dispute, will be one of the top advisors in a Trump administration if that were to ever disgrace our nation again. Here's Stephen Miller on Fox and take a look at what he had to say. Let's play this first clip of him doubling down on Trump parroting Hitler. Play this clip. You use the right word. We are being conquered. This is a complete resettlement of America in real time. It took hundreds of years, going back long even before our founding, going back all the way to the earliest days of the colonies in America, to slowly build everything that we have. And now when you have millions of people coming in from different cultures and different ways of living and different belief systems, they're going to take those belief systems with them to America. So a generation from now, I am telling you, Jesse, people will not know the country that they are living in. These consequences are permanent. Unless there is massive, large-scale deportations by the millions, it will be irrevocable. Unless there are massive deportations by the millions. And what's, what is so horrific there is not just what he's saying out loud, but he's talking about a country that it, look, a country needs strong borders. I agree with that. But this is a country that thrived because of its diversity. Exactly. And Stephen Miller, someone who benefited from that personally and then has such hateful views. And then watch him and Jesse Waters in this next clip I'm about to show you where the hate, just the raw unadulterated evilness and you'll see jesse waters on fox with that shit-eating grin of his as they talk about stephen miller getting a pilot license because he wants to spend the christmas personally finding immigrants to deport them himself and round them up on his airplane that's what they're talking about here play this clip and yeah, their voices I'm, I'm hearing that Stephen Miller is getting his pilot's license next month, and he's going to be personally <laughs> deporting these people, plane load after plane load. Is that true, Miller? Don't get me excited, Jesse. Look, the <laughs> That's how you want to spend your retirement, right? <laughs> yes. I'd spend, I'd, I would spend my Christmas holiday doing that if I could, Jesse. I think we're talking about human beings it's here disgusting. We're, t we're talking about human beings here and and, and i know they want us to you know call them illegal aliens only let's not forget we're talking about humans humans and to see them with that with that hate and 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 laughing at, at, at torturing people and ripping away people from their families Mm -hmm. like, like it honestly it's it's sad <laughs> like as i watch that I, I i i almost tear up 
seeing that that there's just that that evil and he's mainstreaming that great replacement theory the white replacement theory that has already led to mass murder around the country i think everybody still remembers that horrific buffalo shooting that was Mm -hmm. based on the same exact words that stephen miller is uttering there heck even stephen miller's own uncle i believe recently wrote i don't know how recent it even was at this point but he wrote an op-ed basically saying that if stephen miller's immigration dreams actually existed when Stephen Miller's family came here, that Stephen Miller's family would have been wiped out of the country. And so it's just hypocrisy at its finest. You have Stephen Miller, who is really just one of the most reprehensible human beings on the planet. And you have Donald Trump and his aides openly saying, if I become president of the United States, we are going to have concentration camps. We are going to round people up by the millions. We are going to kick people out of this country. And by the way, when it gets to that point, it's not going to matter documented, undocumented. That's not going to matter to somebody like Stephen Miller. They are going to try to pick people off the streets and send them out of this country or send them into camps. I mean, that is literally their plan right now. And you know what a fact check, you know what a fact check would be like from one of these legacy medias about that clip? They'd be like, oh, oh yeah, he may have said that. Oh yeah, don't get me excited about flying the plane and going after uh, illegal immigrants and deporting them. Don't get me excited. Oh no, they were just joking. They were having a good laugh about it. It was, it was a joke. They were being sarcastic. That's not actually what they meant. And so it's just up to us. It's up to you, the Midas Mighty. It's up to just people who love this country and understand that democracy is at stake and human lives are at stake here, that there are really evil people out there like the Jesse Waters, like the Stephen Millers, who actually feel this way in their heart of hearts. And they may try and mask it behind some sort of sarcasm so they don't get utterly ripped apart by legacy media. But that's why we're here. And that's why we're throwing down the gauntlet. Like that is despicable freaking behavior that needs to be called out every step of the way. Like Ben said, those are human beings. Disgusting. Let's compare that, though, because as we are approaching 2024, you got President Biden, I think, previewing what we're going to see over and over and over again in 2024. And and, and President Biden realizes you got to pace yourself, too, sometimes like, you know, he's got to focus on governing. He's got to focus on addressing the issues of actually being the president of the United States. He's like, yeah, I'm. I got this. I'm going to head into 2024. I am going. And, and and Biden has stared down Vladimir Putin. Okay. Biden has stared down President Xi. Biden has stared down enemies of the United States with calmness and confidence. If you think that he's afraid of Donald Trump for one minute, no, one of my other predictions, you think Donald Trump will show up if he actually becomes the Republican nominee to all of those debates against President Biden? Nope. 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 Donald Trump is a coward. He is, trust me, he is afraid of President Biden. By the way, Trump's afraid of confrontation in general. Donald Trump hides behind all of the MAGA people Donald Trump can't look people in the eyes and actually confront people. That's one of the things about his personality and his pathology that he's that's why he punches down 
all of the time. And that's why dictators and authoritarians know that he's a stooge and that they could mm -hmm. use him. Anyway, let's go to President Biden right here, speaking about Bidenomics. But the first clip I'll talk, I'll show you is he's talking about the guy who thinks we are polluting the blood of America. Let's play this clip. By the way, so far, we've created 14 million new jobs, more jobs in three years than any president has created in four years in history. <clears throat> this is a fundamental break from trickle-down economics, economics that supercharged my, my uh, was, was supercharged by my predecessor, the guy who thinks we're polluting the blood of Americans these days. He cut taxes for the wealthy and big corporations, shipped good-paying jobs overseas, shrank public investment in infrastructure and education. We used to have the number one infrastructure in the world. Now we're number 16 or 17. We're changing that. Yeah, we're changing that. And one of the things I want to talk more about, too, is that, and I've been saying this on all of the shows, President Biden is grounded in a set of principles. Mm-hmm. And you know where he stands on the principles, whereas the MAGA Republican Party and Donald Trump, it's whatever dangerous, deranged, unhinged, crazy, weird thing Donald Trump says, that's where they go. And when Donald Trump changes, they go there, 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 there. And a lot of that comes from what is what is Vladimir Putin saying? What is Orban saying? What are they saying? And what is the kind of authoritarian alliance globally signaling to each other? And then how does Trump respond to that? And then MAGA reacts to that. That's why there is no platform even for the Republican Party. Anymore. Anyway, I want to show you more President Biden clips. I want to get into Donald Trump's response, though, to the disqualification order by the Colorado Supreme Court. Also want to talk about Donald Trump trying to, on the one hand, run away from the Supreme Court uh, hearing oral argument on the issue of absolute presidential immunity. And on the other hand, using special counsel Jack Smith's argument, why the Supreme Court should hear the issue of absolute presidential immunity. Yes, Trump is citing special counsel Jack Smith in a brief in order to try to delay the E. Jean Carroll case from going to trial next month. Yeah, we'll unpack all of that. Let's take our first quick break of the day. A little while ago, we had the idea that we wanted to sell the best pro-democracy merchandise in the game. And candidly, we had no idea where to get started. That's why I'm so glad that I found Shopify. Shopify is the commerce platform revolutionizing millions of businesses worldwide. Now, whether you're a garage entrepreneur or IPO ready, Shopify is the only tool you need to start, run, and grow your business without the struggle. Shopify puts you in control of every sales channel. So whether you're selling satin sheets from Shopify's in-person POS system or offering organic olive oil on Shopify's all-in-one e-commerce platform, you're covered. And once you've reached your audience, Shopify has the internet's best converting checkout to help you turn them from browsers to buyers. Now we use Shopify in the Midas Touch merch store and it's completely revolutionized how we do our business. It allows us to easily manage our shop, view analytics, provide the best customer service and streamline our entire online shopping experience from A to Z. We wouldn't be able to bring you all of the products that you know and love without Shopify. And we can't speak highly enough about them. 
Shopify powers 10% of all e-commerce in the U.S. And Shopify is truly a global force, powering Allbirds, Rothy's, and Brooklyn, and, and millions of other entrepreneurs of every size across over 170 countries. Plus, Shopify's award-winning help is there to support your success every step of the way. This is possibility powered by Shopify. Sign up for a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash Midas, all lowercase. Go to shopify.com slash Midas to take your business to the next level today. Shopify.com slash Midas. My old mattress was low quality and it would overheat while my partner and I were laying in it together, making for a terrible night's sleep. I'm so excited to say that this episode is brought to you by Eight Sleep. This is transformative. There's nothing worse than tossing, turning, or sweating in the night because you're too hot. The pod cover by Eight Sleep will keep you cool all night, all the way to 55 degrees Fahrenheit, so you wake up fully refreshed. The pod cover by Eight Sleep fits on any bed like a fitted sheet. The pod cover will improve your sleep by automatically adjusting the temperature on each side of the bed based on your and your partner's individual needs. It can cool down and warm up and adjust based on the phases of of your sleep and the environment that you are in. I love eight sleep because we spend almost half of our lives in bed, improving our sleep routine, habits, and overall sleep quality should be a priority for everyone. It's been a true game changer in my life. I love the temperature control and that both me and my partner can set our side to each of our likings. I wake up feeling refreshed after a great night's sleep, allowing me to start the day off right. Eight Sleep's technology is incredible. For example, thanks to the pod sleep and health tracking, you can wake up to a personalized sleep report for you each morning that offers insights on how certain behaviors like late night exercise or caffeine impact your sleep and overall health. I've never experienced sleep like this. And the pods cooling technology has been a lifesaver. Invest in the rest you deserve with 8sleep pod. Go to 8sleep.com slash Midas spelled E-I-G-H-T-S-L-E-E com slash Midas and save $150 on the pod cover. That's the best offer you'll find. Stay with 8sleep. Now shipping within the USA, Canada, the UK, select countries in the EU and Australia. Now back to our show. Welcome back. Midas Touch Podcast. Ben, Brett, and Jordy. Thank you to our pro-democracy sponsors right there. Uh, the discount codes are in the description below. Also want to remind everybody that we will be having an after show Ooh. on patreon.com slash Midas Touch. Check that out. One of the things we will talk about on today's after show is our trip to the White House. And Brett's got some recordings of us there. He's got some photos of us there. Brett, you have a little bit of President Biden's speech as well. I think that we could play. I think we could release some of that right there. And where can folks do this, Ben? I think I just got an assignment uh, is what I'm hearing. Brett got an assignment. Ben, where can everybody see this? It's P-A-T-R-E-O-N dot com slash Midas Touch, patreon.com slash Midas Touch. Check it out. Um, I, I want to, I'll say more on that later, but I want to show you this next clip right here. We're showing president Biden from his recent speech, pushing back on some of this hateful rhetoric by mm -hmm. Donald Trump. Let's play another clip of him doing that. Let's play the clip. 
You know, we always believe diversity is our strength as a nation. I don't believe, as the president, former president said again yesterday, that immigrants are polluting, polluting our blood. And then when President Biden was leaving the event, he was asked by reporters to comment on the order by the Colorado Supreme Court, the four to three decision disqualifying Donald Trump from the 2024 ballot in Colorado. Watch what he had to say about that. And so there, if, if you weren't able to hear it for those who are just listening on audio, uh, President Biden was asked about his thoughts on the Colorado court decision. And President Biden said, I'm not going to respond on how courts make rulings. And then the reporter said, is Donald Trump an insurrectionist? And President Biden could have walked away and not answered that question. But as I said, we're heading into 2024 and he's showing that he's not shying away from answering that question. And he said, look, I'm not talking about the court case. If you're asking me, is he an insurrectionist? It's pretty self-evident. We all saw what he did on January 6th. We all saw that he supported the insurrection, um, but I'm not commenting on what the court's ruling about the 14th Amendment. I think he answered that question perfectly. And he said, and he continues to double down, which it is. I mean, think about like every episode of this show when we play Donald Trump, what does he do? He is praising the January 6th insurrectionists. He is singing songs with what he calls the January 6th Choir. And all of this you see working its way into the filings from special counsel Jack Smith to make that exact point that this is an individual that shows no remorse, that continues to push the same insurrectionist beliefs day by day. To me, like a question like that, of course he's an insurrectionist. And now we've had multiple courts rule that Donald Trump is indeed an insurrectionist. The lower court in Colorado ruled that Donald Trump was an insurrectionist, but they got caught up with the notion of, but is a president an officer or is it not an officer? <laughs> is it the office of the president? But they said very clearly that he is an insurrectionist. Then the Supreme Court said, yes, he is uh, the Supreme Court of Colorado Supreme Court says, yes, he is an insurrectionist. And yes, of course, the president is an officer of the United States. What else would he be? And now we're going to see the Supreme Court of the United States ultimately decide first if they are going to rule on this. And then ultimately, we'll have to see what their decision is. To me, if they are actually following the law verbatim, what it says in the Constitution, of course, Donald Trump should be disqualified as an insurrectionist, just like many people were after the Civil War. And I find it incredibly ironic, maybe is the word, that you have all of these MAGAs out there 
that are complaining about this Colorado ruling and are trying to go, you know, they try to go, oh, civil war, we're going to do a civil war. Okay. All right. All right, losers. No, you're not. Um, But it's, it's ironic to me that they're making these civil war claims based on an amendment that was added to the Constitution in response to the Civil War. I mean, everything comes full circle. And these are the same people that we're dealing with here. You want to know their history. They don't know their history. You want to avoid being disqualified under the 14th Amendment, Section 3? Don't engage in an insurrection. It's very simple. I, I, I love this. Oh, just wait for the precedent this sets. I, I like a precedent of, you know, what presidents who try to do insurrections, uh, they, they can't they can't run anymore. That's, yeah, I'd like, that's actually I, I, a precedent that I'd like to set. Personally. Yeah. I'd like my presidents uh, without insurrection. I, if I could order a president, I say uh, president, no insurrection. Please hold the insurrection. So, so here's the thing, though. This should not have ever had to take a Supreme Court of a state to hear this because it is such common sense. We all saw or heard or learned about what happened on the Jan- on the January 6th. Like we know what happened that day. The reason this has now become some kind of controversial issue is because one of the two major political parties, the Republican Party, has said we're the insurrectionist party now. Like mm-hmm. we're cool with this. We're cool with this conduct. We believe that is legitimate and that's within bounds. And that's within what we expect of our leadership. And that's the part that's like, huh? Like if Kevin McCarthy, if Mitch McConnell, if Republican leadership said, you know what? We'll deal with the consequences if we lose this MAGA part of our party. See you later. But we have to stand for some principles. We have to stand for something at a bare minimum. It should be democracy. That that should set the floor. We, we could go up from there on some other things, but they didn't. They said, we don't care about democracy. So because the Republican Party has legitimized that behavior and the Democratic Party hasn't, it is not the Democrats who are politicizing anything. It's the Republican Party that has politicized an apolitical issue, an, an insurrection, like a revolution, like a, an attack on our democracy, they've turned one of the most humiliating, dangerous, hateful days of American history into like a call to action for them. Because you look at the 14th Amendment, Section 3, it is very simple what it says. You know, I'll just I'll just read it just for the sake of, of showing what it says. It says, no person shall be a senator or representative in Congress or elector or president or vice president or hold any office civil or military, let me just repeat that part, or hold any office, civil or military, under the United States or under any state who having previously taken an oath as a member of Congress or as an officer of the United States or as a member of any state legislature or as an executive or judicial officer of any state to support the Constitution of the United States shall have engaged in insurrection or rebellion against the same or given aid or comfort to the enemies thereof. So the question is simple. Number one, did Donald Trump engage in an insurrection or rebellion against the same, meaning against the United States Constitution? Of course he did. Did Donald Trump take an oath to support the Constitution? Trump claims he did it. How horrific is that? He claims he didn't take an oath to support the Constitution only to protect and defend the Constitution. What? 
We, yeah, that's an oath to support the Constitution. He argues he didn't take that oath. And then he argues he's not an officer, but he argued in other cases that he has been an officer and it's office. It's the office of the presidency. So for all of these Republicans who go where strict textualists, where the words matter, okay, well, I just read the words. Like It's not a complicated analysis right there. And then they claim their state's rights. So that's what Colorado state has decided, that they can challenge this and it has to have a constitutional grounds, a constitutional infirmity, which is that you've aided an insurrection. This should be a no-brainer for the United States uh, Supreme Court. And you may be asking, well, why is the United States Supreme Court even involved in this at all? It's because ultimately, the, if the highest state court um, interpretation of law that's federal, not the state aspect of it, the federal interpretation is wrong or can be challenged, then the United States Supreme Court can review the highest ruling of a state court. And that's why the Supreme Court's getting involved. They can't say, hey, we don't like your state laws that allow the challenge. But on the federal question here on the 14th Amendment, Section 3, the Supreme Court will um, the Supreme Court will ultimately get involved in, in, in that question. So that's yeah. where we're at there. Ben, 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 these strict constitutionalists who are glossing over officer, um, I, I believe they're the same ones who, who gloss over uh, well-regulated militia. Uh, when we yeah. talk about the Second Amendment, I think those those are the types of uh, uh, strict constitutionalists that you're talking about. Is that, is that right? Yeah. So, so they call themselves strict textualists. But any framework that they use is gaslighting. It is a framework that is used to justify whatever their position is. And then they and then they change it. So they go to your point. We're strict textualists. OK, well, uh, I just read the 14th Amendment, Section 3. Oh, oh well, that text. They, the, the founders didn't mean that text or you say, well, the Second Amendment says a well-regulated militia, comma. So it says regulation and it talks about militias. How are you justifying that for some right to bear arms that is unregulated when it says a well-regulated militia? What are they? What are the strict textualists say? Ah, those words don't matter, right? Their state's rights when they can say that's why they want to overturn Roe, but when they overturn Roe v. Wade and the Dobbs decision, they go, okay, we're not state rights anymore. We mm -hmm. want to make sure all of the states have a federal ban on abortion. They want to say they're originalists until their originalist interpretation does not comport to what they want to happen right now in, in, in the current form. And they say they're conservative until they don't want to conserve democracy and they don't want to conserve our institutions. And that's why I say fundamentally, one of the things that I really like about President Biden is is the normalcy, is the predictability, sure. are, are the principles that he talks about on, on, on the economics. It's bottom up, middle out. On health care, it's we want to make sure all Americans have access to it, that it is a absolute human right that you have access to health care and that your life can be saved. When it comes to women reproductive rights, that women should have reproductive freedoms. When it comes to LGBTQ plus rights, it's that LGBTQ community should be treated like everybody else. They should marry ben. and love who they want to love without the government's intervention. I could go through each thing, but these are principles that are enduring and that are articulated mm -hmm. and that are 
supportive of, of human rights. When it comes to jobs, it's let's increase wages for workers. Let's focus on workers, wages with dignity, better working conditions. I know where he stands. But Ben, I could get into going back to the hypocrisy of Trump. You could get into it without even going to all of these other issues. You could stay narrow on this Colorado Supreme Court issue, and you could expose the flaw in Donald Trump's arguments right there. Why? Because remember one of Donald Trump's first moves in this Colorado case. He tried to remove the case to federal court on the basis that he is what? A federal officer. Then he withdrew that. He withdrew his motion to remove it to federal court because he realized it would completely make his entire case implode because his whole case hinged on him arguing that he was not a federal officer. So even if you stay very narrow on the Colorado court case, you see how Donald Trump's own hypocrisy boxed himself in right there. And what you're seeing kind of across the country right now is Donald Trump and his horrific lawyers all throughout the country, all arguing different and often completely contradictory things that come back to backfire on him like multiple times. When Donald Trump is arguing, oh, I have the best properties. When he's in New York going, actually, they're worth more than that. Look at all this money I have. You know what case that screws over? Well, it screws up his E. Jean Carroll case when they're trying to figure out what the appropriate judgment against Donald Trump is, and he's trying to claim that he doesn't have these assets. Well, in this other case, you're saying that you have that Mar-a-Lago is worth $1.8 billion. You're saying you have all this money, so why can't you pay this judgment to E. Jean Carroll? You're going to see this web of lies continue to spring back on Donald Trump and his attorneys because his legal team is horrible. Donald Trump is horrible. They have zero consistency and they frankly have no grasp of the facts or the, or the law. And they're just throwing everything at the wall to see what sticks. By the way, that's why I love Justice Arthur Ngoron's ruling denying Donald Trump's five motions for directed verdict. I mean, Justice Ngoron points out, okay, you realize, first off, you're only supposed to do one of these at the end of plaintiff's case, the New York Attorney General's case in chief, but you did five of them, whatever. I'm listening to all five of them, fine. But, you know, Justice Ngoron's like, okay, we've heard at nauseum the, if, the issue of valuations. And Justice Ngoron's like, I understand that there are different subjective ways to arrive at valuations. Justice Ngoron's like, I get that. That's not what your case is about. Your case is about the inputs, the data that goes into any subjective valuation. If your data is fraudulent, there is no subjective valuation that's out there under any accounting principle other than one of fraud and criminality that can grapple with this situation. The data that you input when you say that your property is a um, residential property, but it's actually a commercial property, and you use that as your data input, that is fraud. Mar-a-Lago is a commercial property. It's a club. You executed a deed saying it's forever used as a commercial club so you could pay less taxes. You deflated the value. Okay, you want to say Mar-a-Lago is so, so 
uh, hugely valuable, huge, huge, valuable, the biggest property. It's it's $1.5 billion. Well, then you have to pay property taxes on it. That's what this case is about. You want to say that all of you, that, that, that some of your buildings are fully occupied with the highest price per square footage when they're rent controlled and they're not fully occupied? That's just fraud. It doesn't matter what subjective valuation that is. When you say your triplex is three times the size of what it actually is, there's not a subjective valuation economic model that deals that you're putting fraudulent data into any potential model. And, and to your point, Brett, when he says his properties are that high in that case alone, he's undercutting his own arguments because then you should have paid property taxes at that amount. And yep. you're saying amounts that are higher than anybody has ever even when you put the fraud behind it has ever said it was valued at. But one of the other glaring examples over the past 24, 48 hours is we've heard from the outset, Donald Trump's lawyer saying when the indictment in Washington, D.C. was unsealed and the case where special counsel Jack Smith's prosecuting him for trying to overthrow the results of the 2020 election, like what have we been hearing since like August? Trump's lawyers, John Lauro, Alina Haba, we have a slam dunk, absolute immunity defense here. Slam dunk. We, and they said that they were going to do it immediately in August. They were going to bring the absolute presidential immunity. They didn't. They they lie about that. But then throughout, they say, we want the Supreme Court to hear this. We're going to win. Heck, Alina Haba said this last week. She said it's in the past five to seven days. Watch what Alina Habba said about that she wants the Supreme Court to hear the issue on absolute presidential immunity. This is Trump's lawyer saying this in the past five to seven days. Play this clip. And I believe uh, someone had called on on the Supreme Court to do this exact thing. We need the Supreme Court to step in and stop this. This has become complete mayhem. Mm. And if they don't start looking at these decisions and as the highest court in this country, as the arbiter of law, the ultimate arbiter of the Constitution, the people that are supposed to enforce our bedrock, if they don't start doing it, which thank goodness they are, we, you know, have some law and order hopefully soon. Well, people. Okay, when she says they're supposed to enforce our bedrock, first off, she's like missing words there. But I won't quibble. <laughs> I, I, I will, our bedrock of what? But I, I, I won't quibble with that. You know, she's not forced to do that interview, right? Like Fox didn't tell her if you don't do this, something bad is going to happen. Like Fox didn't, <laughs> Fox didn't, Fox didn't do a Donald Trump there. Like when Donald Trump threatens, if you don't do this, bad things are going to happen to you. So she voluntarily went on as part of a spokesperson and his lawyer to push this message that they want the Supreme Court to get involved and get involved now. What did we say here on the Midas Touch Network? I said, I watch what he's going to file when his response to special counsel Jack Smith's direct appeal to the Supreme Court is due. Trump's response is due December 20th. I said, He's going to respond that the Supreme Court should not hear it, that they should wait to the D.C. Circuit Court of Appeals and that delay is necessary and needed and that this is not an urgent matter. Now, just pause for a second and think about this. If you were accused of something, let me start with this one. First and foremost, if you were accused in a civil case, I'll go back to the New York Attorney General civil fraud case for a moment. If you were accused of something and you believe that you had the answers to it in your financials and you did all of this diligence and you're a powerful business person, then you decide 
not to testify on your own behalf on direct examination. I could overcomplicate that New York Attorney General Civil Fry. I could get into lots of the issues, but if you have an opportunity to vindicate yourself, you don't testify and you blame a gag order that prevents you from attacking the judge's law clerk about why you can't go through the financials on direct exam. Now, think about it in the context of the D.C. federal criminal prosecution. If you believe you have a slam dunk defense on absolute presidential immunity and that the Supreme Court is going to agree with you and that this is a no brainer, you then tell the Supreme Court not to hear it, you tell the Supreme Court you don't want them to hear the argument right now, you want to go through this process of being prosecuted and spending legal fees when you believe the Supreme Court will vindicate you, then let me layer it on this fact. He appointed three of the justices. Three of them are people he appointed, Kavanaugh, Amy Coney Barrett, and Gorsuch. Those are three justices he appointed. The other three, you have Alito and Thomas, who are even more right-wing than the three he appointed. And then you have Roberts, who's still right-wing, but a little more moderate, I suppose. So you have a six-to-three right-wing Supreme Court. You have your team on the bench, and then you claim that you have an absolute, you, absolute winner here. But then you argue that you want delay? That's what Donald Trump argued. Special counsel Jack Smith said, okay, this is an important constitutional issue. This is an extraordinary case where even though the D.C. Circuit Court of Appeals has said expedited briefing, even though on January 9th there's going to be oral argument there, Supreme Court, this is one of those cases where because Donald Trump is claiming that former presidents have absolute presidential immunity in criminal cases – um, for criminal conduct they committed in office. This is something we need you to hear. There's a March 4th, 2024 trial date. Can you get involved? And Donald Trump then responds, no, 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 no. Don't get involved right now. Let's just see what the DC Circuit Court of Appeals does first. And then maybe we'll go to you later. How do you not stipulate to certiorari oral argument if you're Donald Trump in that? And Donald Trump's brief, it's like embarrassing to read, but they have no shame. He goes, Haste makes waste is what he says. Haste makes waste. Who, when they can vindicate themselves, comes up with haste makes waste? Like you're trapped in a fire uh, and you go, hey, should I call the fire department? Haste makes waste, everybody. Let's just keep this going. I mean, it is an absurd argument. And the special counsel Jack Smith responded today and said, haste makes waste. What the hell is he talking about? Hear this. This is an important constitutional issue that you should listen to now. Now, Brett, to your point about Trump just doing opposite things in all these other courts. Meanwhile, you have the E. Jean Carroll defamation case, which is set for trial in mid-January against Donald Trump. The next defamation case based on Trump's conduct and defamatory statements while he was in office and for purposes of punitive damages, the statements that Donald Trump has been making and that so-called CNN town hall and all these other appearances that Donald Trump's been doing where he defames E. Jean Carroll over and over again. The same expert who testified in the Giuliani defamation case where Giuliani was hit with a $148 million defamation verdict is testifying against Donald Trump. And just like Giuliani's case was just about damages and punitive damages, so is Trump's in January with E. Jean Carroll, since the jury's already ruled against Trump in the other E. Jean Carroll case. So Trump's looking at getting hit with somewhere between a $20 million and $100 million, $150 million verdict. So... 
one of the things that we talked about on the last episode, he's speaking about Donald Trump's lawyers, they never asserted absolute presidential immunity in the E. Jean Carroll case as an affirmative defense. That's something you basically check the box. As, as a lawyer, asserting an affirmative defense, you literally write, Donald Trump hereby asserts as an affirmative defense, absolute presidential immunity. That's all it takes. And Alina Habba never asserted that for three years. So the Second Circuit Court of Appeals recently ruled, because Donald Trump's trying to delay the E. Jean Carroll case, you waived it. You have to assert it. You can't just say it right before you go to trial. So what does Donald Trump do after he loses in the Second Circuit Court of Appeals? He has the audacity to now ask the Second Circuit to stay or stop the E. Jean Carroll case. Why does he say it? Because he says he wants to go to the United States Supreme Court to assert absolute presidential immunity there. The exact thing that he is objecting to special counsel Jack Smith asking the United States Supreme Court to decide now, he's trying to use to the Second Circuit to tell them to pause so he can think about filing briefs before the United States Supreme Court. And get this. He cites special counsel Jack. He's like, there's no shame. There's no, there's no floor to the idiocracy. He's citing as authority special counsel Jack Smith saying that absolute presidential immunity is such an important issue. So Trump's saying to the Second Circuit, because they're the boss of the New York federal court, look, Jack Smith says this is important. So you should think it's important. Look at Jack Smith. He's going directly to the Supreme Court. So we need you to stay it because look what the government says in that case. He's citing Jack Smith as an authority for him to try to delay E. Jean Carroll. But the courts are the courts get it now, though. That's one of the things as we head into 2024. And I think this episode's a lot about momentum. One of the key things, the lawyers, the prosecutors, but most importantly, the judges figure Trump out. And they are sick and tired of it. They know it's clownish. Clown, and it's offensive to clowns, but they know it's, <laughs> it's clownish behavior before them. So by the way, that's what Donald Trump's been, been doing there. And by the way, on the Giuliani front, Giuliani declared bankruptcy, which it's a non-dischargeable, as I mentioned at the outset, it's a non-dischargeable uh, debt when it comes to intentional torts, malicious, uh, malicious conduct and uh, like, like he engaged in. So he's not going to be able to discharge that. He's just trying to delay that. But a lot is moving. A lot is, a lot is happening. And sorry, I was long winded by me, but I had, no, but it's a lot. That was great. And but, but Ben, the same way that the courts have figured Donald Trump out, you know, they're going to keep finding more out about the guy as well as we continue to go on. And it's like, at this point, I feel like they know enough. I feel like Jack Smith has enough evidence, but we mm -hmm. even see tonight this massive breaking story out of Michigan, which I think is important for us to discuss, where Trump is caught on tape. Yes, there are more recordings pressuring Wayne County canvassers not to certify the 2020 vote. I'm going to read this, some of this report from the Detroit News because it just goes to show you that while we think we know everything right now, there is still so much that happened behind the scenes 
with Donald Trump and his efforts to overthrow the 2020 election that we have not even found out about until now. And I bet there's going to be a whole lot more that comes out as we get into 2024. So I'll read a little bit of this. Once again, this is new reporting from the Detroit News. It says, then President Donald Trump personally pressured two Republican members of the Wayne County Board of Canvassers not to sign the certification of the 2020 presidential election, according to recordings reviewed by reviewed by the Detroit News and revealed publicly for the first time. And get this, okay? On a November 17, 2020 phone call, which also involved Republican National Committee Chairwoman Ronna McDaniel, Trump told Monica Palmer and William Hartman, the two GOP Wayne County canvassers, they'd look, quote, terrible if they signed the documents after they first voted in opposition and then later in the same meeting voted to approve certification of the county's election results. We've got to fight for our country, said Trump on the recordings made by a person who was present for the call. We can't let these people take our country away from us. McDaniel, a Michigan native, and the leader of the Republican Party nationally said at another point in the call, if you can go home tonight, do not sign it. We will get you attorneys, to which Trump added, we'll take care of that. If this doesn't speak to Donald Trump's wow. plot to overthrow the election in 2020, if this doesn't show his efforts to corruptly misuse and abuse our justice system by using his slush funds of donor money to pay off people, to pay off attorneys, to keep people in his inner circle the same way we've seen time and time again. And now the fact that we are seeing directly, directly that Rana McDaniel was also very closely tied to all of these efforts. If I were her right now, I would make sure that I am lawyered up as well, because this is absolutely damning stuff. The timestamp of the first recording, 9.55 p.m. on November 17, 2020. The time was consistent with Verizon phone records obtained by a U.S. House committee that showed Palmer received calls from McDaniel at 9.53 p.m. and 10.04 p.m. Rana McDaniel, you are in deep, deep, deep trouble deep trouble. You sold your soul for this guy. You literally got rid of your last name. Who gets rid of their last name for Donald Trump? Who gets rid of their last name for Donald Trump? She was Rana Romney McDaniel, and she took away the name Romney from her name to bow down to her cult leader, to appease her cult leader. She deserves everything she has coming her way. This is an absolute bombshell of a report here from the Detroit News, and I urge everybody to go and check this out. Isn't it amazing that we're still finding out nuggets like this, like just more and more information? Just leads me to think like, what else don't we know and what else is going to continue to come out? I mean, wow. I can't wait to dig into this a bit more because, Brett, that you're right. That it, This is a bombshell. And I think we're going to see, again, as we talk about momentum, and we talk about a year of justice, and we talk about a year of uh, where uh, I think not only will the economy be rebounding, but heading in a very strong direction, which we're which we're seeing already. 
you know, it's one of those things where we've got to be grounded in our principles and let's just not let fascism psych us out. Mm-hmm. They know, they know, Trump knows, the, the, the MAGA criminal cartel knows that a lot of stuff's going to be coming out. So what they're trying to do is they're trying to play the refs, they're trying to play the media, they're trying to get everybody very, very, very worried so that very kind of sudden and knee-jerk reactions are made, precipitous things are happening. But when you're dealing with someone like President Biden, who's you know very steady and calm, and in the face of um, international threats, in the face of you know domestic quagmires, he remains a very steady and stabilizing and balancing force. He's not falling for it. And again, that's something I appreciate about him. You know, if if he reacted the way Trump reacts to everything, I would not be supportive of him. Like, I want someone who's like, okay, I got this. <laughs> okay, I, I, I got this. Well, one other thing I wanted to point out, too, was that uh, special, and I mentioned this at the outset, special counsel Jack Smith kind of toying with Judge Eileen Cannon uh, and with Donald Trump in the Southern District of Florida case. Everybody knows that uh, Judge Eileen Cannon setting this May 20th, 2024 uh, trial date is uh, like not a real trial date, but that she's trying to keep this to try to prevent other trials from happening in that time period. So what does Jack Smith say? Okay, you want that May 20th, 2024 trial date? Let's get out jury questionnaires then. That's that's, We have to start that process soon. So why don't we set it for February 2nd of 2024? And what did Donald Trump do immediately? He files an opposition to that right away and says, no, 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 no. Not not only does he say no, but he says we shouldn't have any more filings taking place until March 1st, 2024, before the next status conference. And he asks Judge Cannon to admonish Jack Smith. And by the way, special counsel Jack Smith, again, people have figured out Donald Trump. Jack Smith knew that was going to be Donald Trump's reaction, but Jack Smith wants to go to the other courts, specifically the D.C. court and the D.C. Circuit Court of Appeals and be like, look, that Florida date's not a real date. They're not sending out jury questionnaires. Judge Cannon's not sending classified information procedure act, section five deadline. She's not setting those deadlines. So the May 20th date isn't happening at all. And then Jack Smith's going to put that Washington, D.C. case right in there after the D.C. Circuit Court of Appeals and maybe even the Supreme Court hears about it. I want to leave with some good news right here. Then I want to tell everyone what's going to happen on our Patreon because I think this is one that you're not going to want to miss. United States, strongest economic recovery of all G7 nations, fastest growing GDP of all G7 nations. Wage gains, new business formation, job openings are all at historically high levels. Domestic oil and renewable production is breaking records. You know how MAGA Republicans are all, drill, baby, drill, drill, baby, drill. Well, (laughs) there's more. Two things. Number one, and I think very importantly, President Biden's been focused on dealing with climate change, and he's passed historic legislation within the Inflation Reduction Act, within the Infrastructure Act, that specifically deals with climate change, focusing on renewable energy. And and at the same time, you have record-breaking domestic drilling as well. You can walk and chew gum at the same time. You can do both of those things, move towards an energy-independent economy, while also 
drilling and 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 making sure that when Russia and Saudi Arabia try to suppress the supply and increase the demand to try to interfere with our elections, which let's be clear, that's what they've been trying to do. They want to destabilize us with higher um, with higher gas prices by decreasing the supply. That's that's their that's the concerted move. Biden's countered that by increasing our domestic drilling to higher than them. And they're like, and and by the way, you better believe behind the scenes, the U.S. is basically saying to them, okay, keep doing that. See what we do. We're going to put you out of business with the oil if you keep doing that. And so whereas Trump, because he's so coddling, you know, to the Saudi sovereign wealth fund and to Putin would never be able to even do anything like that. That's partly what's behind this. So the GOP attacks on crime, you know, you know, higher crime. We're in the lowest crime right now on the economy. The economy's rebounding and booming on energy. These attacks against the Democrats are evaporating. Consumer sentiment is rising sharply, as I mentioned in flash and crime, rents and gas are all down. The Dow is breaking records. So there are good things to focus on and then be rooted in your principles. Middle, Bottom up, middle out. Focus on the workers. Focus on improving the lives of the 99% of Americans. Give everybody a fair shot. That is what President Biden is focused on. A fair shot. Everybody, no one needs an unfair advantage, especially billionaires and decamillionaires don't need unfair advantages. Okay. As President Biden says, I'm a capitalist. I'm good. You make money, but let's have let's have a fair playing field and let's make sure all Americans have a fair shot. And that's one of the things that are fueling the economy. And by the way, 40,000 infrastructure projects going up across the country. All right. On the after show at patreon.com slash Midas Touch, P-A-T-R-E-O-N.com slash Midas Touch. We'll talk about our trip to the White House, what went down there. We'll show you some exclusive video footage as well. And one of the things I do want to say about Patreon at the end as we approach the new year, I think it's important, you know, if you'll just give me one minute to explain this before we go, because I think it's important. We're not funded by outside investors here at the Midas Touch Network. We are funded by our pro-democracy sponsors. Check them out in the description below. We are funded by the emojis that you see and by Patreon, patreon.com slash Midas Touch, which is separate and different from the emojis. Maybe at the end of this year, early next year, we'll prepare an impact report, you know, where, you know, we talked earlier in the show about how it was through our reporting that pointing out the connections between Donald Trump's statements about poisoning the blood, those links with mm-hmm. Adolf Hitler and that it's parroting Hitler, our reporting about violations of gag orders that led to real world consequences of contempt against Donald Trump. I mean, I could probably go through a list of about a hundred plus stories that our editorial team has broken that have resulted in major impact in the world right now and in our country. And then there's, you know, everything I think they do is impactful, but like a hundred bombshell stories, whereas some networks, you know, try to that one a year or two a year, talking probably a hundred plus with Ron Filipkowski and that team there at MidasTouch.com. We want to grow that team in 2024. Mm -hmm. So if you're able to join Patreon, you get fun after show content and you get to meet us once a month on these Zoom chats. But most importantly, it helps this network grow and you see it. Like I don't have to, you see the tangible growth 
in the different tentacles as Midas continues to grow as a result of the growth of this community. So no worries if you can do it, but if you can, if you've been thinking about it, if you've been on the fence, I would say it's a, it's, it'll be very helpful heading into 2024. So I'll leave you at that Brett final word, Jordy final word, and then take us out, Jay. It's it was been a great show. I'm excited to dig in and show uh, the folks some exclusive uh, video clips and some photos and stuff from our trip to the White House today. Next time, just uh, you know, give me a heads up if you're keeping the suits on. You know, I, I don't want to. <laughs> I, I think we'll leave it there. See everyone on Midas More. Shout out to the Midas Mighty. At Midas Touch, we are unapologetically pro-democracy, and we demand justice and accountability. That's why we're spreading our message to Convict 45. That's right. Gear up right now with your Convict 45 tees and pins at store.midastouch.com. That's store.midastouch.com.